The biggest hurdle was getting to the point of like making sure that when we were outsourcing it to another can runner, they were doing it as good as the founders. And how do you get someone as good as the founders? No one's going to care as much as you. So you got to make it as simple as possible or make it as fun as possible and make it as enticing as possible. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the Millionaire Mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. Every successful business owner I've met and have had on the show has solved a problem or a pain point for a group of people. Now, these problems can range from large and complex to just simple annoyances of things that we have to do every day in our lives. Now, these business owners, what makes them special, what makes them unique is that they saw this opportunity. They realized that it was a common pain point, and then they went out and they created a solution for it. That is the most simplest recipe for starting a successful business and being an entrepreneur. Now, there's a lot more that goes into it. But our guest today took a simple idea and revolutionized it to impact thousands of people that now use their service. So super excited to have him share his story and invite us into his world to discuss what it is that he put together. So a special welcome to our guest, Alex Shapiro. Alex, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here and it's an honor and I really appreciate this opportunity. So it's always fun just giving a little background of how I connect with these guests. Because I get that question all the time. People are like, how did you get so-and-so on the podcast? Or how did you meet them? In this situation with Alex, one of my business partners, Paul, his son plays basketball with Alex's son. And they were just, after seeing each other for a few times, started chatting. Alex is in business. Paul's in business. And he said, hey, I think it might be a good fit for the show. So it's been a blast just doing this podcast. I hope to you listening that you found as much value in these conversations as I have. I want to have these conversations, whether you're listening or not, but we record it. We put it on this podcast so that you have an opportunity to learn from us and hear from the conversations and really just inspire and push you as a business owner and as an entrepreneur. So with that being said, Alex, why don't you take a few minutes and just share with our listener who you are and what you do today? Absolutely. So right now, currently today, I'm the CEO co-founder of a company called CanMonkey. CanMonkey is the first trash to curb service provider. Essentially, what we do is take trash and recycling cans to the curb day before pickup. The following day, once the city empties those cans out, we roll them back to the original location. It started here in Scottsdale, Arizona. My business partner actually started it just for a small neighborhood up in North Scottsdale and did everything that you would as a business owner, got a website, got a car, he wrapped it, got flyers, put them all around the community. And after his first year, had about 24 signups. So it's not really what he thought it was going to be. My background was in title and escrow at that time, working for Fortune 500 companies, basically from 2010 up until the pandemic. And so I come from like a marketing sales background. And uh, when I saw 
that he had this business. Uh, he told me about it, you know, obviously because we were friends and I thought it was a silly idea at first, to be honest. Um, I was like, I'd never pay anyone to take my trash cans to the curb. Because uh, of how simple it is, right? I'm doing that. I don't need you to do that. Yeah, it's just a weird concept. But what it was, it's like a little drip. You know, I went home, I think later that night and my wife said, take the trash can to the curb. It's trash day. And I'm like watching football and I said, I'll do it later. And then I have kids. So I put the kids to bed and I forget, right? Just next morning, dang it. You know, I hear the garbage truck and I miss it. And I said, maybe Mark's on to something. So it wasn't until a little bit later when I was meeting with one of my investor clients who had a portfolio of maybe 25, 30 long-term rentals here in Scottsdale and or around Phoenix. And he was converting some into STR, short-term rentals. And that was the first time I heard that. And that was in 2018. I was like, what's an STR? He's like, it's an Airbnb. I was like, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, but my biggest issue is these trash cans. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know a guy that will take those out for you. And I was thinking if I could sell it for a little bit more than what my buddy was selling it for, maybe I can make like $10, $15 a can. And I was trying to like, you know, hustle. Cause I'm just a hustler. That's all I am. He's like, dude, I'd pay a hundred dollars a month for that. And I was like, whoa. What was your buddy charging at the time? 35 a month. month, And this guy, you didn't even ask. He just threw out, Hey, it was such a pain point for him. He said, Hey, a hundred bucks a month per property. Yeah. And he had 20. And I was thinking, okay, I'll sell them to $50 and I'll just make 15. I was just trying to be nice. But like, hey, it's actually $50 and I'll make 15 on 20 properties every month. But that's what I was thinking. Like very small kind of. And then I went to my business partner now, Mark. I was like, hey, I think you might be onto something. I want to buy in and I think we should go after STRs. He's like, what's that? And I was like, Airbnbs. And he's like, no, I'm doing homeowners. So that was kind of the first thing, but he didn't not take the properties. We took those properties and we realized, and once again, my background was in title and escrow working with investors. So I loved working with investors because I would get one investor that would give me 10 deals a month instead of a real estate agent that maybe gave me one deal a month. So this was kind of like already my bread and butter. And I was like, well, isn't this easier to deal with one person and get 20 than have 24 individual people that we're dealing with? So I started saying, look, you do the operations, Mark. You do the make sure the cans get to the curb and back every week. And then I'll do the sales and marketing. And that's how the partnership you know, started. And this was like 2018, end of 2018. So 2019 was like a, a year, but I was still full-time in W2, you know, um, title and escrow. But I watched the show Billionaire, uh, Billions, and I was thinking I could be like an axle rod. Maybe I could invest in a company, manipulate it a little bit, you know, sell it later. That's what I was thinking. After the first year I was there in 2019, we made some progress in the Phoenix market. Unbeknownst to us, Scottsdale's like the short-term rental mecca. So there was a lot of short-term rentals here. So it wasn't necessarily hard, but back what you said when I was said no at first, people were still kind of, Wait, you're going to do what? You're going to go in the back of my yard and take the can to the curb and then come back the next day and take it back? Like, how are you going to do that? There's all these questions, but... After that first year of 2019, we got probably around 300 properties. And we got one property management that gave us like 80 properties. And that was like our biggest aha moment. Like, oh my gosh, they have 80? So 2020 happened and the market crashed. You know, everything shut down and I lost my job. And then I went full in in CamMonkey thinking I can take my expertise and go back to a title company and do the same thing. Or just take this time and just go right into CamMonkey and just really put some gasoline on it. And I'm glad I did. And that's kind of where my story started, you know, with Camelke. Even though I was an investor in it, it was just very small. It was just very local. But when I got into it, I was like, okay, I need to get this to a thousand properties. I need to get this to because I need to make money now. And at $49 a month, you gotta have a lot, the volume. So 
that's where I came in and really started saying, okay, we're doing it here. I live in Mesa, Arizona. I have a route in Peoria. I'm not doing the route in Peoria. So if I'm able to do this in Arizona, but not do the route in Peoria because I outsourced it to someone else, why couldn't I do that in Park City? Why couldn't I do that in Austin? Why couldn't I do that said place? And that's where my delusionally optimistic thinking is like, look, I can do it. So let's figure it out. And that's what I bring to the table. So he's really more like dot the I's, cross the T's, very conservative. And I'm more like running through a wall. We'll fix that later. And like, we'll just get the results. Some of the best partnerships I've come across have exactly that duo. And I've got it on my team. I'm the one that's like, hey, I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to figure it out. Here's an opportunity. Let's go. And then my business partner I've been with the longest, he's the one that's well, hold on, slow down. What are the legal ramifications? And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Don't talk about it. It's like almost feels like a buzzkill, but it's so important. And you got to have both sides of this equation. You do. Renewership is jumping off the cliff and building the plane while you're falling. I'm jumping off the cliff with the plane and he's still trying to put the pieces together while we're on and we're tied by a rope. And eventually I'm just going to pull him off with me. So he drags his feet as long as possible, but he's coming with me off that cliff eventually. So, but it works out perfectly. It does. And I definitely want to get into how your service has really grown and how you've been able. Wait, sorry. There's a national alert just went off my phone. Sorry about that. Yeah, I just got that as well. That's never happened before. (laughs) I definitely want to get into how you guys were able to grow and expand into other markets because I think it's a brilliant model and it kind of evolved into that and you started alluding into it. But before we get into that, let's take it back. Like You were working in title and escrow. Did you ever think you were going to be an entrepreneur or business owner in your life? Like, When did this journey really begin for you? It's a good, great question. I was one of those guys, like I was a corporate guy. I saw myself just climbing the ladder. I knew the stories that you hear, these people that like get screwed over by corporate America and then they finally go do their own thing. And I thought maybe that could be me. But at the same time, like I was 22 and I started working for Fidelity National Title, which is a great company. It's a Fortune 500 company. I was getting stock options. I was getting, it was great. So when you're 22 and that's what you're first getting into, that's all you really know. So I kind of really loved that that life. I thought I was just going to be in that world. I was on a bachelor party early 2018 when someone showed me the show Billions. And that was when I was like, this Axelrod guy kind of gave me some inspiration where I was like, oh, I could be like Bobby Axelrod, invest in a company. And and when Cam Monkey came to me, that was in November of 18. So that was like the first time really I was thinking like I had some money, okay, in my corporate America world, save some money. I had my life insurance license. I wanted to be a financial advisor, but at the same time, like it's basically an entrepreneur in that aspect too. So like, I thought mate wasn't really for me. I did better in like a corporate setting. So I just thought maybe like, look, I'll hold my license. I'm not really going to do that. I'm just going to do corporate America. I saw that billions. I thought maybe that was like the first niche of maybe I'll invest in a company and I can help it. And then Pan Monkey was like the first company that kind of came to my foresight where I was like, I actually could invest in this. I actually could help with my connections. Oh my gosh, I could be Bobby Axelrod. (laughs) Not really, but like in one of those aspects. And that was like, honestly, the first, like this is the entrepreneur spirit of me is just the kind of same spirit I had even when I was in corporate America. Like I worked hard. I didn't work nine to five. Like I worked all the time. I worked on the weekend. I went on the happy hours. I did dinner. Like I did everything that I would do as a business owner. I felt like I was a business owner. My brand was my business. Like K period Alexander Shapiro 
was my brand. And I just happened to work at a title company, but I was the person that would sit down with these real estate agents, these investors, these lenders, and come up with different solutions or win-wins where ultimately maybe a, a real estate agent and a lender now got partnered because of me, they're doing deals. And if they need title and escrow, who are they going to use? Me. So I was already thinking outside the box, doing all these, these things that I guess a, a business consultant, um, but I just worked at a comfy like W2. So now going into like this world of entrepreneur, it's kind of the same thing as like a business consultant. I'm just consulting for myself and I'm just doing the advice that I would tell myself and the advice I told everyone else to do, I was just doing for myself. It was just weird from Fortune 500 where if you needed anything, you had the money, you just asked for a budget, you already had cash flow, you already had bosses, you already had everything. And then coming here where I was wearing literally like 12 hats, I was the sales, marketing, HR, like a CFO. I was everything. That was huge. That was a big change. And But I work really well with myself. I'm like my own best friend in some aspects. So like <laughs> at a small office in Industrious during the pandemic, and I was just in there uh, just working and I would email as one person, but it'd be me on the other end. And I was just trying to make us look bigger than we actually were. Because you know, people think that we're really big because what we're doing, and but we really are really lean still to this day. Even in the beginning, like when I was outsourcing to other can runners, like I was the one hiring the can runners. I was the one getting them trained. I was the one getting them on the routes. I was the one bringing on the properties. I was the one making sure that everything was getting done. But because I did all those things, when I was able to now start scaling, I knew exactly what the position needed. I knew exactly what to do, what to say. And I was able to duplicate myself to where I'm only wearing one hat now because I have the hats off to everyone else. And I think that's key as a business owner is really knowing how to effectively delegate. And this is, it's hard. It's hard starting any type of business. And you do have to wear a lot of the hats. You don't have the revenue. You don't have the cash flow. So it's like, well, it's on me. And that's part of the natural progression of growing and scaling a business. But I think it really helps business owners because to your point, you have to figure out how you want that process done. And then once you can figure out that process, it makes it a lot easier to effectively delegate. And you know enough about it to be able to guide somebody and let them take off and run with it. So as much of a headache as it is, if you're listening and your first year of business, you're trying to figure out how to grow, scale, you feel like you're drowning, you're underwater. We've all been there. We've been there. We've experienced it. The challenge is to make sure you don't stay there. That's a trap that a lot of people fall into. And then they're working for 20, 30 years and they can't scale because they don't know how to effectively delegate. Now, one of my favorite quotes in regards to this is you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And that's by James Clear from Atomic Habits. Mm. And so if, as a business owner in the startup period, you need to be figuring out your processes and your system so that you can work more lean, operate more efficiently, and then effectively delegate. And I love your story, Alex, because we have a lot of people on the show and they're like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I started a lemonade stand in my backyard, right? And they kind of had this natural entrepreneur drive, but you didn't. However, what you did have was this entrepreneur drive. And mm -hmm. we actually talked about this on my show uh, just a couple of weeks ago because of the guest we had on. An entrepreneur is somebody that works within a company and they almost come in with an owner's mindset mm -hmm. and they tap into a lot of the same strengths and disciplines that an 
entrepreneur would. And mm-hmm. they are able to grow within that company and help that company grow. Mm-hmm. And then there's some that will transition out and become an entrepreneur. And like you said, it's like, whoa, we don't have a budget for this anymore. I got to figure out where the money's coming from. So there is a different level of risk that entrepreneurs take. But as far as the skill set goes, very, very similar and in line with entrepreneurs, which it sounds like you were already actively doing and doing very, very well at. And I think also the, the play on that, I think my background being in title and escrow and working with so many real estate agents and investors, they're all entrepreneurs. They're all CEOs of their own business, essentially, right? So I got to see and work with all these people who were the top of their game and see what they were doing and got to learn from them subconsciously or consciously that when I was in a position where I was all in now on Cam Monkey, I just got to take from all these people that I got to meet with over 10 years, helping them with title and escrow, but learning about what they did in their business. And I copy from all, steal from none. You know, I don't try to reinvent the wheel. If I saw someone already do something, even if it's a little bit different field or in a diff- whatever it is, like I try, how would I implement that in my business? So I try to learn from people who are smarter than me. Things are already done. I just try to replicate those, if anything. To be honest, Alex, that's a big reason I started this podcast. It's selfishly, it's given me a platform to connect with people like you and to connect with other business owners. Because even though we're all in different industries, we can definitely cross-pollinate and learn from each mm-hmm. other. Because even though the vehicle, the business vehicle is different, a lot of the challenges are the same. Hiring, firing, scaling, delegating, time management. Like, there is a lot of crossover. So it's been a blast just connecting with people like you and other people on the show. It's just fun sharing the conversations with others that are also on the same journey. So 2020, going back to your story a little bit, 2020, you lost your job. This was a nice, you said a large Fortune 500 company, you were doing great and you lost your job. Hmm. Was that did you get blindsided by that? Did you know that was coming? Like, Share with us a little bit about that experience because to anyone that's lost a job, they can relate. They, they know what you've gone through and then there's some that haven't. So share with us a little bit of just what that transition and experience yeah. was like. It was May 15, 2020. Uh, I remember exactly. Was I expecting it? The world was shut down. You know, it's like they wouldn't let us. I was in sales. I, I met with people. Uh, that's what I did. I had 40 plus meetings a you know a month. A month you know, 12 meetings a, a week. I had to have minimum. Uh, and for like now at that point, two months, I, I couldn't do anything. You know, no one knew what was going on. So it's not like I did anything wrong. It's just like the, kind of the way the world was. And so that's where I kind of, now I'm almost glad because if I would have just got blindsided, I would have just gone to another company, take my book of business and just say, hey, I'm screw you. I'm going over here and I'm just going to do the same thing again because of the situation of the world. And because I saw a little bit of a, and at the time I was working on Cam Monkey still, like it was still succeeding. So as much as like the world was shutting down, people were signing up their properties on Cam Monkey because they didn't want to touch the cans, afraid to leave their house. Like it was just a scary time in that world. So it was like one of those things like because I had Cam Monkey already and I invested in late 2018, I had 2019 looking at it and I was already in almost half of 2020. I didn't make any money. It was like, it was still like a silly idea. I had family members that said, don't do it. But at the time it was enough for me to be like, you know what? I'm not going to go to another title company because if I just got let go of this title company, who's going to hire me? Right. You know, like, so I have enough money saved. I was, you know, I was doing some day trading. I think everyone was at the time. I was like, you know what? I have enough to last me until the end of the year. So let me just take this time. Let me just put the next six months all in Cam Monkey and let me get this to 
a, a certain, I forget the number, like, let me get this to 500, let me get this to that, whatever it was. And I just put all my attention. So getting fired was almost sometimes the worst thing that happens to you could be the best thing. You yes. don't see it right away. Uh, now, in hindsight, uh, I'm thankful. But at the time, I had three children, I was married, I was the breadwinner. It was scary, uh, very scary. But if I didn't have that, it wouldn't have pushed me to be full-time in Camelke because I don't think I would ever have gone full-time in Camelke because I had a full-time thing already going. So You had that security blanket of, of yes. your title job and Can Monkey was just kind of this thing on the side. If it grows, great. If not, it's okay. I still got my job. That's it. So because of the pandemic, not that I'm thankful for it, but I'm thankful that you know whatever happened, happened to me. And I was able to get, if that was the external push I needed, I got it and I saw the signs. I think we all see signs um, and you either have the opportunity to take it or not. And I, I took it. So um, I, I know for a fact that if I didn't do that, Cam Monkey wouldn't be where it's at right now. Where your attention goes, your energy flows, right? And it's uh, we talk about this a lot on the show. Things, it's a mindset thing, 100% a mindset thing. Recognizing that things happen for you, not to you. Yes. That's the difference of a victim mentality and an opportunistic mentality, mm -hmm. an abundance mentality. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not trying to like poo-poo on people losing their job. That's a very tough and scary situation. I voluntarily left my job, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the security. Like it's not like my real estate was at a certain point that right. I was like, oh, okay, I can comfortably leave my W-2 job. And right. to be honest, I don't know that it will ever will be. Cause I, I I think your business ventures need your full attention. And I think too many people try having one foot in two different worlds mm -hmm. and so they're not really excelling in either because their attention is, is split it's true i think i put 100 percent in anything i do so if i have three different ventures i'm doing 33 33 33 i'm giving each one you know a third of my time you know it's the gary keller uh, the one thing you know the book the one thing book that's why i learned in real estate and i applied to cam monkey like my one thing is can to curb like now we have on demand trash removal and we have can cleaning but the one thing is can occur. That's my one thing. So in the beginning, when I was trying to make other revenue, I was like, oh, I can do pool monkey. I can start all these. I can do grass monkey. I can do lawn monkey. I can do all these different monkeys. But then I was like, I would always go back to like to Gary Keller. Like, no, 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 no. The one thing. What's your one thing? So it's easy to be like, I'm not making enough money. I got to make more money. I'm going to you know, spread myself, do these other things. And I kept catching myself and reminding myself about the one thing and went back to you know, Cam Monkey, uh, the, you know, Can of Curb. So you're right. I mean, I, and I know myself, I, I give full attention to things that I am fully in. Awesome. Well, what I want to do is I want to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about what happened to the business when you decided to go full in and really what that transition looked like. Did, did it grow as quick as you want? What challenges? did you experience and things like that. So we'll be right back after this quick break. Hey guys, my name's Nate Hare. I'm the executive director at Directed IRA. Directed IRA is a company that exists to provide a solution for people that want to invest their retirement accounts, be it IRAs or old 401ks, into things like real estate or things outside of the stock market. If you want to invest your IRA or old 401k into investments like real estate, apartments, syndications, or the great investments that Rev Equity has to provide, make sure that you reach out to us. You can find our information on investwithrev.com 
or our website, www.directedira.com. Open a self-directed IRA and invest in alternatives today. All right. Welcome back. So Alex, share with our listener a little bit about what happened with CanMonkey when you decided to go all in. So when I decided to go all in, I think we were around uh, 300 properties at the time, uh, only in the Phoenix market. And we had just gotten a large, con- not contract, but a large client. Like I said earlier, like Scott sales at the Mecca of short-term rentals. I didn't know anything about vacation rentals. I didn't know anything about Airbnb. I don't know any, you know, I knew about real estate, but nothing about that aspect of it. And I didn't know that there are Airbnbs everywhere. So when I had one of these clients that came on and I looked them up on their website and I saw that they're in other markets, that's when I, my brain started, you know, spinning like, hey, I want to get to 500 properties. I think it's going to take us longer to get to 500 properties just in Arizona. But what if I was able to get another 100 or another 80 in another market? So for example, I know it took us maybe two years to get to 300 properties in Arizona. I think it took us like two years to get to 200 and I think it you know, added. But I know when we went to Park City, we were able to add on 150 properties from day one with one client. So it took me two wow. years to get to 300 and then it took me one market to get to 150. So because we were able to expand into another market, I almost doubled my business with one client. And that was like the other aha moment where it's like, okay, cool. Can we do this in Austin? Can we do this in Nashville? Can we do this in Orlando? Can we do this in Seattle? Can we do this in anywhere that there's not just Airbnb properties, but people that maybe that wouldn't mind the service. They have long driveways. It rains, it snows, it's they travel, they're affluent areas, whatever it is. That kind of goes in thought process. But as we started to expand, we just kept seeing more and more people around just be, you know, gravitate to our business because it's it's necessary uh, tasks that everyone has to do. Not everyone loves to do it. Not everyone's like, capable of doing it. We have a story here locally where an elderly woman actually wrote us a handwritten letter, which no one gets those anymore, but wrote us a handwritten letter thanking us that Cam Monkey was the reason she saved her house. And I had to call her because like, can you give me a little bit more backstory on this? And <laughs> she's elderly. Her husband had passed away. And the one thing that she was not capable of doing anymore was taking the cans to the curb. And her adult children were in other states and they wanted her to move in with her. And she didn't want to move out of the house that she had lived in for 40 years with her husband. And because of Cam Monkey, she was able to keep her house because she felt confident now the trash cans would be taken to the curb and back. So little stories like that, that wasn't, this is a one-off individual. It's not a vacation rental property with 20, 30, 100 homes. Those are also the little goosebumps I got where I was like, this is why we're doing it. It's not just for these property management companies that need our service. It's for the elderly, the disabled, the ill, the people who just can't do it, that just need some extra help, that doesn't mind paying $49 a month to have their trash can and recycling can taken to the curb and back 16 times a month. So it's one of those things where we've just been able to longer that we survive, the longer that we're here, the more people that talk about it and the more time they see it, it goes back to the, my initial thing. It's just the drip. And they just eventually will start using the service when the time is there. But it's just nice for them to know that a service like that does exist. It's something so simple. And when you guys started bringing this to market, was there anyone else? You started in Arizona. Was there anyone else currently doing it? Like, Where did you really see the opportunity? 
there's people now doing it for sure. I think that we make it sound like it's really easy. And you think about taking the cans to the curb, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's really not. It's a, a lot of idiosyncrasies that go into taking cans to the curb, which days of the service days, is there a gate lock? Where are the cans located? Especially in Airbnb, is the guest move the can? Did the cleaners come the same day we took the cans back? Now they're still full again. So we had to have pictures. Like all these things that we did in the very beginning helped us build a streamline or build a process that was for me and my business partner to make sure that we were doing the job right. But now internally, now, now all that would be built for ourselves. We're now giving to our clients. So the technology, the application, all everything that we built that was mainly to make sure that the job was actually getting done because there's a lot of things that go into it. Now we're realizing that that's great for our clients. So now we have a client dashboard. Our clients that have 20, 50, one property, they're able to log in and see their every single service history, timestamp photos, geolocation of their cans. It's all right there. And that was for me, I needed that. I needed a CYA, cover my ass, make sure that the job was getting done, that the person that was paying to make sure the can was taken to the curb, was taken to the curb. We didn't take the neighbor's can out by accident. They'd take the recycling out instead of the trash can, like whatever it is, I needed proof on my end, not just to prove it, but also to make sure that if I got a call, it wasn't just my word against their word. I had some proof. So those are things that we built over time that was really just for us. And in the beginning, we were using Slack. We were using like off the shelf apps on the app store that were for like courier companies, not for companies like mine that were like scheduled repeat. I had everything in Excel files. Oh my gosh. We were like the Flintstones. And now where we're at is like, we're like the Jetsons. We're in the 21st century. We have apps and we're on Google, uh, Google store and Apple store or Google play and Apple store. And now we're solidified, like we're a solidified company. And then before when I'm calling people off Craigslist and saying, hey, what takes some cans to curb? You know, and they're like, what? Is this even real? And now they go to the Apple store, they see us, that verifies us because we're on the app store. We're competing with Instacart, Grubhub, Uber for these gig economy jobs. So that was just something also as well. Like I didn't know that I was going to be in the gig economy. You know, as much as I'm talking about the short-term rental industry and, and people who pay for my services, my other clients are my can runners. So I had to build something for them. So I have two sets of clients. That's one thing that I love about your product and your business. It's not just the homeowners and the short-term rental people that you're serving. You're actually providing opportunities mm-hmm. for other people to make a little side income as well. Yeah. yeah. So share with us a little bit. And you started talking about it, but as you started expanding outside of Phoenix, there was questions. You were the first question, how can we do this? Right. We want to expand. How can we do it? Share with our listener that expansion process. Like, how did you make that happen? I just did it. I acted as if that it was already done. I called someone and said, Hey, I got a route in your market. Do you have any properties that need to go on my route? I didn't have a route, but I knew if I got the properties and it made sense, I could make a route. So I did my due diligence. I knew they had 50 properties. I know that was what I needed is I needed about 25 properties to start a route. So I was thinking, okay, if I can get half those 50, I can start a route. So a lot of them was just like, already putting it into existence that it was going to happen. And then just knowing in myself that I was able to make sure that it would get done if it would. And I had just done it in Phoenix. We were at like three, 400 properties. So I was confident enough that if I got 50 properties, I would fly out there. And I did, I flew out to park city originally. Then I was saying, okay, I can't fly out to every single market that we start in. So the next market we open up, I'm not going to fly out there. But I took the same processes and systems that we did in Scottsdale and did it in Park City. Then we did it in Austin and we just kept doing it. So now I don't have to fly out tomorrow. No one flies out. We just get properties. We find can runners. We match them. We use our technology. 
it's all there. We're like a platform now, like an Uber or Airbnb. Like we have a platform that you can put your property on our platform and we put your property on a route. It gets taken care of. That's incredible. And how did you find these can runners initially before you had this platform? Oh my gosh. It was um, Facebook ads, Facebook like groups. In the very beginning here locally, my brother is uh, 10 years younger than me. He was the fraternity president at the time at a chapter here in ASU. And he helped me during the summer and he brought some of his fraternity brothers. And so at one point, I think we had like 18 fraternity brothers uh, running routes with us. And I was like, this is it. I figured it out. I'm just going to call frat brothers from all over the world. (laughs) And then they all graduated. And I was like, wait, no. So that wasn't sustainable. But just little ideas like that, you know, we'd reach out to whatever would work. You know, sometimes things worked and it didn't work. And you had to reevaluate yourself. But it worked long enough to get the ball rolling until you got another problem that came up. And then you can come up with another solution. So I love when problems come up because it gives me a, a reason to give a solution to it. And so now when we, like, with Park City, for example, is a very hard market. And the reason why it's very hard, because in Park City, anyone who lives in Park City, if you've ever been there, it's very affluent. Anyone who lives in Park City doesn't want to take trash cans to the curb back. They probably don't need to work. So I'm getting people from like the Salt Lake area, or I have to get someone from like Heber or another near city to drive. But these are little things that we've learned. So we have to start with like down paying them for extra miles or give them little startup bonuses or some things that we do on our end to entice them a little bit to go. So if a market like in Scottsdale or we're really condensed, it's easy because they probably live right next to it. It's a little bit simpler. But like I said, every market has its own little idiosyncrasies and you just kind of learn at it. Um, in the Smoky Mountains and Lake Tahoe and some of these other areas, they have bears, uh, raccoons, uh, javelinas, trash cans get knocked over. There's a lot of things that go into it. So when things come up and we're able to kind of solve it that one time, now we in our playbook, we have a solution in the future. So when someone's like, well, we got javelinas over here, like a new sign up. I got, oh, we got you. Here's a clamp that you could buy off Amazon. Put this on your garbage can. It keeps it closed. We've sold this, or not sold it, but we told like 100 people about it. They all buy it. They all love it. Here's a solution. Oh, thanks, Camelonkey. Great. So we're just giving them like, again, we're not reinventing the wheel. Someone told us about that clamp. And then they're like, does it work for you? It works. Great. Now we told everyone else about it. So we'll come up with a solution or whatever the problem is. And that problem comes up again. It's just inevitable sometimes, you know? And when it does, we have a solution for it. And then we just present it. And now we're the experts of vacation rental trash solutions. I love that. Ed Milet has mentioned in the past that problems mean you're in the path of progress. Mm-hmm. So embrace problems. It's a good thing. It means that you're growing. It means that you're scaling. And the problems you're going to have today are not going to be the same problems you have in six months or 12 months. And your ability to solve those problems, that's going to be your ability to succeed mm-hmm. in business. It's going to be proportionate to that. Mm-hmm. So speaking of problems, what were some of the biggest challenges that Can Monkey has experienced over the last few years as you've been growing? And how did you overcome those? I think, honestly, the biggest hurdle was the technology aspect of it, that, like getting to the point where we're at right now. Where, so when we started off, if you would have asked me like three years ago, what is Cam Monkey? I would have said we're a, a trash removal or a vacation rental trash solutions company in the waste world. And now what we are is we're a logistical technology company. And so we've really we evolved into that. We don't own any trucks. We don't own any cars. We don't own any homes. We're just a platform. We're just this middleman. And the biggest hurdles was getting to that point where in the beginning, it was my business partner, myself, actually taking the cans to the curb. 
So I knew the job got done because I was doing it. And then when you start outsourcing it, you don't know if they're getting it done. You assume they are, but you don't know. So they have to get pictures. So like the biggest hurdle was getting to the point of making sure that when we were outsourcing it to another can runner, they were doing it as good as the founders. And how do you get someone to do as good as the founders? No one's going to care as much as you. So you got to make it as simple as possible or make it as fun as possible and make it as you know enticing as possible. And how do you make taking the trash cans to the curb and back sexy or fun or whatever? But unbeknownst to us, they love it because we fell in this gig economy where people are usually used to driving Uber in their car all day and talking to people they don't want to talk to or you doing Uber Eats where now their car smells like Chinese food or pizza and they don't <laughs> want that. So we fit in this and or they don't know what they're what they're going to make today because are they going to get Uber Eats job? Or are they going to get a job? You know, they can go to the airport and get a long drive like all the way back down to the Cave Creek. Like they don't know. But with Cam Monkey, we're persistent and consistent. We give them the same routes every week, every day. So with us now, they know at least for Cam Monkey, they can do Uber Eats or Uber in the morning from 9 to 11. They can do Cam Monkey from 11 to 3, and they go do Uber Eats later. And now they're doing three jobs. And what we found over this time is that in this world, people are going from, I need to make fifty to $60,000 a year to how do I make three to $400 a day? And with a company like Cam Monkey, they're able to make some of that money for them. And they add that onto their other gigs. I have people who work full-time, W-2s that still take cans to the curb because it pays for their mortgage. Whatever, the extra $1,000, $1,200 a month they make you know, pays their mortgage because they run four cans, whatever it is. So everyone has their own reasons of why they do things. Some people just are bored. Same reason why I got an Uber once and there was like this really wealthy guy that looked wealthy. And he's like, I'm just bored. Like I have no kids. And I just like, talk to people. Everyone has a reason why they do things. We're just giving them a reason. If they want to take cans to the curb, they can do it. And we're making it really easy for them. And because we're in that gig economy, we really had to compete with some of these like billion dollar companies. They're comparing, even in the beginning, they're like, why don't you do it like Uber? I'm not Uber. <laughs> like It's me and my business partner. And we're just like two people, like we're bootstrapping. This is not Uber. Thank you for comparing us. So that's where we're at now. So even to this day, when people look at Cam Monkey, they think that we're like this huge company where we're just not, we're doing great, but we're really bootstrapped. We're a lean team and we really leverage our technology and application that we create for ourselves. And it works perfectly for us because it's made for us. And that's something that was kind of like a gamble in the beginning. Like, do we want to invest all the money that we're making back into something that we don't know was going to work? But now knowing that we did and we overcome that hurdle, the best thing that we could have done. And if without it, I wouldn't be able to scale. I wouldn't because... It'd be too hard. Right now, we're doing over 12,000 stops a week. That's like 48,000 wow. stops a month. And to do 48,000 stops a month and to keep all that data, to keep all that those routes, to have over 550 active can runners, to track all of them, to make sure they're scheduled, I have to have my own systems and processes and the application for that. That's a really big Google sheet to track all that on, huh? <laughs> well, then imagine if you add one more property onto an Excel file. It changes the whole route. And then it's not just one Excel file. It's like eight Excel files because it's like different days every week. So, oh my gosh, that was the biggest hurdle, the technology part. Because like I said, like we're just dealing with a lot, a lot, a lot of moving parts every day. And there's no sleeping. I mean, if the city moves the trash day a day ahead because it's a holiday, we take that into account. So we have to change all the routes. So back on Excel files, that was horrible. But now I go to my CTO and say, hey, 
I actually need you to do this now because in the Austin market, the recycling comes every other week. Well, that's not the same thing in Arizona. Recycling comes every week. So each market we go to, we learn something new and we have to adapt to it. And now that we did that with that alternating weekday, now it opened up another revenue for us that if someone only wants to service for two weeks a month and not the whole time, we can now do that because we have alternating week and it goes on and off the route. So the technology was the biggest hurdle because there was a lack of, there's nothing built for a company like ours. Was that overwhelming? to get into that technology and software space? Like, where did you even know where to begin? It's such an arbitrary world. You can talk to 10 different software developers. They're all going to say, okay, great. Uh, well, it starts off at $125,000, $125, for an app. And then it goes from there. And you're like, okay, what's that for? Oh, well, and they don't know either. You know, So it's like all arbitrary. You don't know what you're even going to get for this much money. We don't have that much money. So we found this like college kid at first that like said he could build a snap and he actually did pretty good, but ultimately it didn't work out. And we were out now like tens and twenties of thousands of dollars because we know we have an app on the Apple store that doesn't work. So that was the first mistake. And so we're like, okay, screw this. We can't do that. Let's go back to our own systems. And I'm a big believer in the universe. And if you commit, the universe will assist. And we had talked about it one day, like we really got to get this application that we got to start our own technology. One of my really good friends was like, Hey, I have a friend that just left his company called prize logic. or was a company here locally. I think he could help build an app for you. Like, do you want to talk to him? I'm like, sure. And I had talked to him. He had just got let go the day before and he was about to start his own business. And I was like, look, do you want to start your own business? But your own business is going to be working with my business, building my app. <laughs> and that way, like we can help each other out, like at least have a business, like a job and we can work. He's like, sure. And he built it from scratch. Took a little bit of what the other guy had done. So it wasn't all for nothing. But he just got lucky, man. I go to these conferences, I go to these trade shows, and these other tech companies come to me and they ask me questions about tech. What's your app on? What are you guys using Reactive? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, you're speaking Spanish to me, dude. They're like, well, how do you not know? You're the CEO. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have a guy that does it. He's phenomenal. So uh, if you want to know if my API talks to your API, let me get Spencer on the phone. And so I bring him over. Back to the very beginning, like I had to take that hat. That was an easy hat to give off because I didn't even have the hat on. But I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses better. And like I said, I'm a delusionally optimistic person. So I think I can do everything. But I also know when someone can do better than me. And so I'm gladly able, I'm able to give it off to people. It doesn't hurt me at all, helping other people like, you know, take it on. But I'll be watching and I'll gotta make sure they do a good job. But I give full autonomy to people on my team. I think you have to to really see if they're made of it and they can do it. And everyone on my team, I just throw them to the fire. Yeah, I learned this back in corporate America. It's hire quick and fire quick. Luckily, I don't have to fire quick here. I made some great hires, but if someone's not getting it, they're not catching on. Like, there's a person you fire that hurts your business, the person that you keep. So, you got to make sure that the people on your team are actually doing what they're doing and helping you go forward because you can keep someone because you really like them, but if they're not doing a good job, that's going to hurt you more. So, I've just been really lucky about having some really good people on my team, down from my CTO. Uh, down to everyone on my team. So I just got really lucky. You got to have a team. You got to have a team and, and having the right people there goes such a long ways. Well, Alec, we're coming up on time here and I knew this hour was going to go by quick. But before we start wrapping up, share with our listener, what's next for you and CanMonkey? What are your plans for the next months, years coming up? 
it's a little premature, but we just finalized a like partnership with Airbnb. So we're going to be getting on their integration with our website. So now with clients that are already on our, our platform, we're able to connect to like, with their a token and to see all their listings. We can see their departure dates, their arrival dates, really be a one-stop shop for them to where we can now help that the trash day is coming on Thursday, but they have a departure date on Sunday with an arrival on Monday. And that has a lot of trash there. We can now come and remove that trash for them with our own demand trash removal without them even telling us. Our biggest thing is I try to be a stakeholder in our clients' businesses and all I want is their trash. And so with this technology and this partnership with different property management softwares or Airbnb or whatever it is, is really helping us leverage our technology and really make sure that the process with our clients is even more streamlined. I want my clients to go get more properties. I want them to go get more hosts and owners. So they add more properties in their portfolio. And when they add more properties to their portfolio, they add Camel Key on. You can't do that when you're worried about your five-star reviews because your guests are mad about seeing old guest trash. So the two major issues in replication rental world is what's the Wi-Fi and trash. So if I'm able to eliminate one of those major key points or pain points, then just making them look better as a client. As long as they look good, we look good. So my goal right now is to get this to 10,000 properties on subscription. Ultimately, the goal is to get a million. But like right now, the next goal would be 10,000. But when we hit 2,500, we hit growing point, uh, growing pains. When we hit 3,500, we hit growing pains. Like we always hit growing pains because something is going to break and that's fine. You just got to embrace it and just figure out what it is and, and fix it. And then once you fix it, the floodgates start coming again and you're going to hit another pain point. So I didn't know that at the time, but now talking to other entrepreneurs and business people, pain points and growing pains, it's a real thing. As much as you might think that you maybe hit a wall and you can't do it anymore and this is your limit, it's not. You just got to figure out a way to pivot and figure out how to keep moving forward. Maybe it's not in a straight line. You got to pivot to the left a little bit, but you can still keep going in the right direction. And that's something that I do really well is I don't get stuck. I don't dwell on anything. I'm really quick at pivoting, understanding. Yeah, we want to be in every state, every city that has vacation rental trash or needs a vacation rental trash solutions company. And that's incredible. And it's going to be exciting to see the growth over the next year or two. And just to clarify, these pivots that Alex is talking about, it's not a pivot into a brand new business idea or venture. Like a lot of new entrepreneurs, business owners, when it gets tough, when it gets challenging, they tuck tail and they go try something new. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about, he still has a sole focus. Like we are a trash removal company now. Uh, what did you say? A logistical technology company. So when they hit these challenges or these problems, they're not giving up on what they're doing. They're just finding a different approach to get around that obstacle. And the way I often visualize this is you're going to hit those walls. You're going to hit those walls. You could sit there. You could chip away at it with a pick, with an axe, with a shovel, right? You could chip away at it. Eventually, you'll get through. Or maybe you pivot left or right and get around that wall. Now, initially, it might feel and appear that you're abandoning that path or that journey. And that's where you got to be careful. And as a business owner, recognize and be able to strategically maneuver around that obstacle and get back on that path as soon as possible. So Alex, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for, for sharing your journey and sharing your story with us. And as we wrap this up, there's four questions I like to ask every guest at the end of every show. First one being, what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind? The book that really, I feel like changed my trajectory 
as a young 20-year-old, was The Richest Man in Babylon. It's an easy read. It's a little bit uh, different if you read one of the copies that kind of like an old English, but it's really good about finances. Um, it's it, it just helped me understand about saving, uh, putting 10% away, um, just showed me a different pr- uh, trajectory of, of financial literacy. So The Richest Man in Babylon uh, is the book that I, I still read probably, I don't say once a year, but I'll pick it up every couple of years and just reread it. You know, it's an old book too. It's really old, but still, it's a cl- it's a classic. It's a classic business and entrepreneur book. If you haven't read it, you need to. Like that's, I feel like there's probably six to ten books that every business owner needs to start with before anything else, and that's one of them. So awesome book recommendation. What has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? It's already happened. Time hasn't caught up yet, and I say that because when you have a thought process of how to, you, you see the vision, it, that means it's already happened. Even though you don't have it right now in front of you, it's already happened. Just, you know, if you just work on it today, work on it tomorrow, you're going to have it eventually. So it's already happened. Time hasn't caught up yet. Um, and I, I say that a lot, to, even to my team. Like, uh, you know, if, they, if I hear the, their words, they're kind of like, not negative, but like, well, if, no, it, it's already happened. Just keep doing it. You know, like uh, I'm, I'm very big on, on, on all of that. I love that. If there was one thing, Alex, that you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? Don't quit. Uh, just keep going. It's, it's not really good advice, but it's like the best advice because I wanted to quit a hundred times. I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to just go get a salary job, making six figures. How much easier would that be? Oh my gosh. Why am I struggling? Why am I doing this to myself? But now I can see light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm glad I never quit. I had plenty of reasons to, even having my fourth child during this whole growth of Cam Monkey, you know, like not having insurance and then having to get insurance. Like, it made, like so I was like, oh, maybe I'll just quit this now and go get a company or go to a job that has, you know, insurance. Or I can get insurance at my company and have insurance myself. So that's what I did. So, like, I never quit. I just kept going. And even though I had those intrusive thoughts, telling me to just throw in the towel. I did. And I think that's the most important thing. And when I talk to other people who are far further than where I am in business, they say the same thing. And it was good to know that they also wanted to quit. You look at them and you see, oh my gosh, you have a great life, whatever you can think of. It's not always like that. So just don't quit. That's very, very powerful. And to the listener that might be in that moment, that's thinking about abandoning, giving up, share with them, like who have you become throughout this whole process? Hmm. I've actually become exactly who I thought I was that I wasn't before. And I don't think I ever would have been that person being stuck in the last corporate America. I got to hire my best friend on. I got to help change his life. The salary he's making at Cam Monkey is more than what he was making at a company he was at for 10 years. That's who I want to be. I'm a provider, not just for my family, but for my friends. And I'm able to provide. I'm able to give people opportunities that I never got. And now I'm able to give those opportunities to people. One of my best people that is uh, hiring or recruiting can runners was a can runner for uh, three years for us. And now she's working with us full time and she's thankful every day. And so I'm thankful that because I didn't quit, I'm able to give opportunities to not just internally, my team of five or six people here internally, but the 550 active can runners a week that we you know give routes to that maybe depend on this extra hundred two three hundred dollars a week or whatever it is we're paying them three days a week that's crazy to me I pinch myself every day so that I am who I thought I was was but because I put myself through the ringer I'm now that person 
Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Alex, how can our listeners learn more about you and CanMonkey? CanMonkey.com is our website. Uh, I'd love for anyone to go on there to see where we're at. If we're in your market, check us out. Put in their free 30. We'll give you a free 30 days. If you sign up, try it out. What we found is once you have someone take your trash cans to curb and back, you don't want to go do it yourself anymore. You can find me on LinkedIn, K. Alexander Shapiro. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, reach out and let me know if you have any questions or whatever it is. Uh, I'd love to help you or give you a little insight into my world if you have any questions. Awesome. Look, this has been an incredible conversation with Alex. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. My company partners with busy professionals just like Alex that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev, we found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and serve, and we simply provide the vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been wanting to get involved in the apartment investing game, but have been too busy to figure out where or how to start, then you can find out how I could serve you by visiting investwithrev.com and schedule a 15-minute discovery call. A lot of people think that they need millions of dollars to get invested into apartments, and I'm here to tell you that is not the case, and you can very likely get started today. It can be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator, but at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Alex, again, thanks so much for coming on the show and just sharing with our listener your journey, your story, and I'm really excited to see the growth that happens over this this next year or two because it it seems like you've really started gaining that traction and now you're just full steam ahead thank you i really appreciate it and i appreciate all the support thanks again for having me on here and uh, talking to your listeners and thank you so much yeah my pleasure and to our listener remember you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic so go out there and earn your win for today and we'll catch you on the next episode Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.